so we carry our hearts this day before you in prayer. Thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, a hope that transcends this life into the next. And so as you bear up all who grieve and mourn and weep this day, especially the Sims and Fleming families, but each of us, each of us, Lord, bear a number of griefs and sorrows and burdens. And so we lift these before you and ask that as we gather now around the scriptures, that your word would speak to us, you would encourage us, you would lift us up, you would challenge us and stretch us and grow us and guide us. Lead us now through the power of your spirit to a deeper understanding of your call upon our lives, of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 1. We'll be reading this passage in about seven weeks or so. This is part of our Christmas cycle, our Advent and, and Christmas cycle. I think I've got in the bulletin, I think it says verses 14 through 18, but I'm going to read the first couple verses as well. John chapter 1, beginning verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Amen. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, who are committed to following Jesus, taking his yoke and learning from him, we've we've been talking about that for these last number of weeks. Uh, For those of us who are trying to live our lives to love God and to love neighbor, and as we talked about last week, even loving our enemies... For those of us that that's true, we have also come to know this this passage, this this passage from John chapter 1. Again, typically we're reading it in the the Christmas cycle, kind of like you only hear 1 Corinthians 13 in weddings. You often, we really only hear this uh, typically in the context of of the Christmas uh, season, but this is a passage for all seasons, for all people. Allow me to pull a couple... uh, 
kind of strings of, of, of thought together, a couple ideas together. We, we talked about taking the yoke of Jesus several weeks ago. Take my yoke, learn from me. It's this image of the harness being hitched to Jesus, as it were. But the image of a yoke typically thinks of as being burdensome, uh, be, being a, a yoke that weighs us down. And Jesus says, my burden is easy. Uh, my yoke is light. And so learning from Jesus, hitching ourselves to Jesus does not restrain us, it does not weigh us down, it does not burden us, it does not crush us. It is something that actually renews us, it revives us, it, it enables us to, to live. So if we're going to take his yoke and learn from him, then if we bring that passage with this passage, we are going to learn about grace and truth because Jesus the living word of God came full of grace and truth. The Bible says elsewhere in the, the book of Luke, every student when fully trained will be like his or her teacher. And so if we are to be his disciples, if we are to be the students of Jesus, if we are to be the ones learning, apprenticed to, to, to him, then when we are fully trained, we will be marked or characterized by grace and truth. Are you with me? Is that, is that making sense? So if we would follow Jesus and he's full of grace and truth, then, then grace and truth are going to shape our lives as well. So whatever else characterizes or identifies or marks our lives as Christians, grace and truth need to be there. So however we worship, whether it's with traditional hymns and choirs and organs and pianos like we have, or if we worship with praise bands and, and more contemporary music, no matter what translation of the Bible we prefer, this is the New International Version. Some read the King James, some the English Standard, some the New Living Translation, or others the Revised Standard and other translations. Still, no matter what translation of the Bible we prefer, whether we say debts or trespasses. How many of you grew up being a trespasser? Hey, look at y'all, trespassers, you know? All right. And it still hangs some of us up, doesn't it? Right? Admit it. However we dress when we come to worship, whatever our skin color, whatever our accent, however we vote, uh-oh. If we follow Jesus Christ, we are to be characterized by grace and truth, no matter what differences may be there. And so if we would be faithful disciples in divided times, grace and truth are going to be at the center of that. They're going to be on display in our lives. So I want to do something a little different. Usually I'm like explaining the passage. Well, I'm going to try to paint a couple pictures here. I want to give you two images, two word pictures. Maybe they're metaphors. I don't know what the way to think about this is, but a way of getting around grace and truth. So you walk out of here and go, oh, okay. I'm going to think about grace and truth differently. That's my goal here. First, I want you in your car driving out through the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a lovely day. You're out, um, maybe stop at a scenic overlook and you're seeing the leaves are turning. What a beautiful fall we got going right now, by the way, right? Wow what these colors are. So you get out in the valley, the, the, the leaves are turning, and, and the sun starts to set, and you're still driving and enjoying that beautiful uh, scene, and then you realize, oh, the sun is setting. Yikes. 
I have some more driving to do. And I don't like to drive at night. And there's some winding curves that dip down and it twists and turns around. And all of a sudden you realize it's getting darker and darker and there's other cars coming. And ooh, there's that little bend and I wish that car wasn't as close to me. And now it's dark. And so what you do when it gets dark, when you're driving out in the, in the Blue Ridge Mountains on windy roads, what you do is you speed up, right? Now some of you probably do, all right? Admit it. We slow down. We, we get a little more cautious, a little more deliberate. We, when we can, pop our high beams on, right? So that we can see as far as we can. You got the valley on one side. You've got maybe a creek or a stream on the other. Thank God for these things that are called what? Guardrails. You thank God for the guardrails. The guardrails are there to protect you, to keep you safe on the road, a road that feels now uh, under darkness, that road feels narrower and narrower, doesn't it? And that passing car looks like it's coming actually right at you, doesn't it? Okay, we've all had this experience, those of us who enjoy driving. May I offer to you that grace and truth are the guardrails that God has given us to keep us on the path. The path that leads to life. A path that the world says is really narrow. A path that Jesus says is narrow. Narrow is the path and, there he says, hard is the way that leads to life. The guardrails are there to protect us, to keep us safe. Grace and truth are what protect us and guard us and keep us in the Christian life. If we crash through the guardrails as we're driving out into the valley, we plunge to harm, possibly fatal harm. There is destruction, broad is the way. <laughs> Easy is the path that leads to destruction. And so grace and truth keep us from harm. They keep us from destroying and undermining our lives, our relationships, our reputations, our families, our communities, other people. Grace and truth are given to protect us. And so there's this image I want you to have in mind of driving. And so if you're one who insists on truth, be gracious. Be gracious in the truth that you uphold and, and double down on. But some may double down on grace. I'm going to double down on grace, but don't surrender truth. It is truth and grace, grace and truth, guardrails on both sides that protect us. And so that's the first image. Second image is this, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, okay? Women's gymnastics, the uneven bars, the vault, the floor exercise. I can watch all those pretty calmly. But you know what I have a hard time watching? That I kind of watch through fingers? You know what that other event is? The balance beam. Ooh. Ooh. 
jumping, twisting, leaping. I was going to try to pretend to say, I'm not going to do that. You won't be able to unsee any of that, and so I'm not going to do it. They spin, they hop, they tumble, they back tumble. I normally don't have my iPhone in the pulpit. Do you know how wide the balance beam is? It is not even this wide. It is this wide. The width of my screen. I looked it up and measured it. Right. They're doing all of that on something that narrow. May I offer to you that grace and truth are like a balance beam of sorts. Whoa, can we go back to the road? That at least has a little bit of width to it, right? And I got my high beams I can put on. As we know, gymnasts fall off the balance beam. They wobble, they fall. As we know, Christians fall off the balance beam. We wobble, we fall. My observation in nearly 40 years of Christian ministry, starting in youth ministry years and years ago, is that each Christian seems to have a tendency to fall off the balance beam of grace and truth. I, I'm, I'm standing like I've got uh, something this wide. Every Christian falls off the balance beam of grace and truth on one side or the other. Some of us fall off on the side of grace. For us, grace is the most important thing. To accept other people, no matter what they have said, no matter what they have done, no matter the choices they have made, no matter how they may identify, no matter the lifestyle that they engage in, Jesus teaches us to accept people no matter what. Unconditional grace, unconditional acceptance. I have been loved, I will love others. We fall off on the side of grace. Others of us, when we wobble, we fall off on the side of truth. The Bible clearly tells us that there are right and wrong. There is good and evil. There is a bottom line. You don't like it? Well, hey, it's the truth. And so truth is what ultimately matters to these. It matters in the, the world, in society, in decisions we make. It, it matters in personal lifestyle and choices. And truth is, is there about accountability. And, and truth is what elections are about too, right? You know, we're going to the polls in a, in a couple weeks. And so some of us wobble and fall off and we tend to fall on the side of grace. Others of us tend to fall off on the side of truth. But here's what happens. For gracers, if I'm going to call them gracers, for those who, who tumble towards grace, <clears throat> truth looks harsh. Truth looks judgmental. Truth seems cold. It seems mean. When, when, you're, when, you're, when you're a gracer, when it's all about unconditional acceptance, no matter what has happened in somebody's life, 
truth is just going to look harsh. Truth is going to look wrong. For truthers, those of us who fall off on the side of uh, the balanced beam of, of truth, grace looks like license. It looks like permissiveness. It looks like condoning sin. It looks like error. For truthers, grace is wrong. To gracers, truth looks unfaithful to Jesus. To truthers, grace looks unfaithful to Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace or truth. Is that how it reads? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. That's pretty narrow. Yeah. It's grace and truth of the guardrails, right? <laughs> to protect us as we're driving through life. As, it, as the darkness comes, <laughs> we flip on our high beams, we slow down, and we thank God for those guardrails. On this balanced beam of life, as we inch our way forward, in relationships and raising our families and making our decisions and going to the ballot box. We inch our way forward. It's grace and truth. Many of our fights, if not all of our fights, and frustrations and disagreements within the church and beyond the church are a result of crashing through the guardrails somewhere of falling off the balance beam on one side or the other. Think about it. The fights, the disagreements, the disputes, the divisions that we have in relationship with others. And then as we extend that out into our society, they're really disputes around grace or truth. And y'all know who you're, if you're a gracer, you know who you are. And if you're a truther, you know who you are. And so the challenge of living as faithful disciples in divided times is the challenge of living grace and truth. Another way of saying this, that it's possible to speak and teach and be committed to the truth and yet still get it all wrong because there's just no grace in our lives. There's, there's just a lack of humility, a lack of understanding. But it's also possible to champion and advocate for grace and acceptance and yet in the process end up surrendering the truth. And so the way of grace and truth is a narrow way. The way of Jesus is a narrow way. We, we could wish that it were not so. We could want that it not to be that way. But we have witness in Scripture, not just here in, in John, but, but Jesus' own words in the Sermon on the Mount, way, the, uh, narrow is the way that leads to life. But when we start thinking about grace and truth, maybe we slow down. We slow down the car. Maybe when we start thinking about grace and truth, we're a little more gentle on that balance beam. 
And then when we're in conversation with a family member or a friend or we overhear someone at work talking about how they want to vote or some other issue and your grace tendency or your truth tendency wants to, you know, and you want to crash through the guardrail, just slow the car down. Inch forward a little bit on that narrow balance beam. And relate to that person differently. Relate to that individual or that situation or that group differently. Just because the way of grace and truth is narrow and it's hard doesn't mean we can't find it, we can't be on it. Of course we can. It just means we'll have to work. It means we'll have to pay attention. It means we'll have to be thoughtful. It, has, it means we'll have to be prayerful. It means we'll have to be humble. But isn't this what Jesus calls us to, right? <laughs> and so thanks be to God that Jesus came full of grace and truth. The truth is he exposes our hearts and the human condition, and yet he does not condemn us. He embraces and restores us. And so sisters and brothers, I want you to hear some good news. This is the gospel this is what the cross does. The cross is the grace and truth coming together. The truth is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The grace is that we are justified through his death. He takes the penalty for us. Here's how Paul says it in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely. Justified means made right. All are justified freely. We don't have to pay for it. Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He, he restates this in another way in chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we cleaned up our lives on our own by our own willpower, then Christ died for us. No, while we were still sinners, there's the truth. Christ died for us. There's the grace. Apostle John, who wrote the gospel we've read, wrote a, a short little letter to the early church. Here's what we read in 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you hear the truth and grace working there? If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us because God says we're sinners and if we say we haven't sinned, then we're actually saying God is lying. And so the truth would not be in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So when we embrace the truth and grace of Jesus Christ, let us remember that that truth and grace is available to others. And someone else might not yet have understood that. And so let us be gracious towards that person who, who may not yet have heard the name of Jesus or may not have studied the Bible the way you studied the Bible, may not have understood some things, but that person may actually be bringing some grace and truth to you. Uh, and so we hear this good news. 
And so what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in divided, angry, and polarized times? I think it means we are committed to grace and truth. That we contend for the truth with grace. And we contend for grace in the truth. And in humility, let us acknowledge that we often crash through the guardrails, that we often fall off the balance beam. And so let's try to find that yoke one more time, one more week. <laughs> let's find the yoke, the light, easy yoke of Jesus, the yoke of grace and truth. Amen and amen. Lord, as we stand now to sing, <clears throat> may these images and your grace and truth abide in us, not only this day, this week, but forevermore. Amen. Let's stand.